0: Welcome to the Board Without Friends Podcast. I am Topher, and today I'll be joined by Jay. And we talk about a wide range of topics, including politics, Neuralink, media and polarization, sports and COVID, and ending up with a conversation about emotions and personality in sports. We encourage you to follow us on social media and give us honest feedback about the conversation we had today. Thank you for listening. What's good, Jay? What's up, Chris? Pretty good. I am playing a little handicapped today. Last night was very enjoyable. I drank a little more than I should, but it was the first time I've had a party with a couple friends in some time, so it
1: felt very good. So wait, what was your drink of choice is the real question. What were you drinking?
0: Oh, man. only me would have laughed at me. I was drinking. Okay. Truly man all night, just guzzling them. Why are you doing that? I find okay. that beer just bloats me. and Makes me feel crappy when I wake up the next day after drinking beers. And I'm like, Ugh. I feel like hungover and stuff like that. But truly is, yeah, like, I feel great yeah. the next day.
1: <laughs> no, I, I hear that. I think beer is. I'll, I'll drink crap beer here and there, like IPAs. But like, I won't drink like the basic, like you know, P- Pat's Blue. Obviously, that's not out here, but tiger beer and all this stuff that's pretty much like parallel to like budweiser in america so in general health wise beer it's just carbs it's just not not fun and it gets you bloated exactly Um, and for me right like i've just been drinking like wine hard liquor uh and i think that's pretty much it like of course like i'll drink some japanese whiskey uh some gin Tequila. Tequila is dangerous though. For any for anyone that knows, like tequila is like a Filipinos worst enemy. And then like if you're Vietnamese, it's Tennessee. So it's dangerous stuff. It's dangerous stuff. So uh, if, if if I if I ever have a wedding, especially if you or if you goes to a Filipino wedding, somehow like tequila or Hennessy ends up on the dance floor.
0: <laughs> so I really
1: don't know how that happens.
0: People either drink tequila or have a story of why they no longer drink tequila. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I actually had, a, isn't Patron like a, yeah. <laughs> so Patron, Patron's a
0: form of tequila, right? Yeah. It's like for clubbing, it's a solid, almost high shelf quality for, for clubbing purposes. It's not like super <laughs> nice if like you were to go to connoisseurs, but it's not cheap stuff. Yeah. So for my birthday
1: last year, uh, the 35th birthday, my friend got a lot of tequila and uh, I was drinking from the bottle. <laughs> i'm not joking i was taking shots from the bottle um and the next day dude i was bloated like it was bad like i drank a bit too much that night and my, you know like what you're saying about beer if you drink too much tequila oh jeez, it's like the worst like my stomach was killing me that day i was supposed to fly to hong kong that weekend and that was like the worst birthday weekend uh, ever probably <laughs> that was my fault i didn't get angry at anybody that was like i blamed myself that was me being an idiot like i took ownership on that i'm like whatever i'll just you know delay my fight for another time this
0: is my fault i'm the idiot my bad so yeah i hear you and that's where you get the drinking straight up alcohol i deliberately mix everything now just pure volume so i won't get irresponsible don't. i want to
1: what would pull... you mix it with
0: by the way uh, right now I don't know why, but I just mix everything with Diet Dr. Pepper. I again I just got on the I got away from all the uh all the carbs. So I did that like a year or two ago. I lost a good amount of weight. Worked great for me. And one of the things was when you go to parties, you wind up having just two thousand calories of beers because you're trying to drink this, or you put a mixer in there and you're putting actual coke in there. It's like you wind up getting all these carbs and, and calories in just one night drinking. I can cut it to like barely any if i just use a sugar-free un- alternative or something like that so that's what i've been doing it's work well i could still get drunk but I-, I could do it efficiently and not really have to burn off too much the next day it's a lot of water in that stuff too so i'm i'm diluting and i'm hydrating myself a little bit that's something sort of too if you don't drink water you'll feel like crap the next morning
1: that's <laughs> oh, funny it's there there's i've seen a joke online right when you're, when you're younger, like around like 18, the drink of choice is like usually beer. When you're 25, wine or something. And then when you're like 30, 40, the drink of choice is usually water. <laughs> <laughs> right? Because it's like the adult drink at
0: that point. You're like not trying to get messed up. So, Oh, man. Wine is awful, man. That's That will get you drunk. And that will get you hungover. That is like the biggest thing they hung over. All the sugar. Yeah.
1: The, yeah, the, the problem is if you don't drink it in moderation,
0: right, as you should be
1: doing, Example, like, I've, I've been in Europe. You don't drink wine, like, the yeah. whole bottle, you know Yeah, it's a, like, it's, a if... it's
0: a glass or two with dinner. It's a
1: glass or two. It's glass or two with dinner. And it, it actually works well that way. But some people, for whatever reason, they go freaking crazy, dude. Like, why are you downing a whole bottle of wine? Just because? Just because? Or <laughs> you just want to get drunk? Like, that's, like, the worst thing. Like, I'm not no wine oaf, first off. But I'd rather have the wine go with, like, a meal instead of just... Getting drunk off wine, that doesn't make sense to me.
0: Yeah, I hear you. you. You pair it with something like what is the point of splurging? You're taking too much of a good thing and it just winds up being – it doesn't matter what you drink. After two drinks, you're really not savoring the intricacies of how good this wine is. It's like, no, you're just getting drunk at this point. <laughs> There's no reason for you to be drinking expensive wine after a glass or two. Your, your taste buds are, are basically neutered at that point. Yeah. So the get-together
1: yesterday, how is that – how did that work out, especially with the pandemic going on? Like, oh, what,
0: what, yeah. were you, what were you doing then? Yeah, we've been experimenting of ways to do it effectively. First off, it was all outside. Okay. We we were it actually started out as a fishing trip. We didn't catch anything. So I don't know if it's technically fishing or not. But we sat with poles in the water for hours. So you call that fishing. We did it. Then we met back up at someone's apartment. We had outside. We barbecued. And again, we were just staying Reasonably far away from each other, talking. By the way, how many people were there with you? Uh, we had like I think six of our friends. Oh, interesting. I try to cool. was maybe got up to seven, but yeah, we were keeping far enough away and yelling at people if they got too close. You know, just giving them our time, not like actually yelling at them. And you know, but yeah, do you
1: get, do your friends get weird? Like if you get too close, like how does that work over there right now?
0: Our friends are not like weren't too weird with it, it, but it was also you had people who were drinking too. So you can tend to care less when you're drinking. (laughs) So in the beginning, I think people are a lot more nervous. And then as they got drunk, they forgot about things. And uh, some of us are like, be a little mindful of it. I know you you don't mean any harm, but you know, just chastising them for breaking the social distance. Yeah. I mean, it's very interesting,
1: especially like social behaviors. If you're studying like that right now, the fact that there are some people that are paranoid and, I mean, reasonably so. There are people that like amino compromised that are writing on Twitter or on social media or whatever. They got sick, the symptoms lasted for 30 minutes and they're pretty much yelling at people like, stop being selfish, Uh, you're killing everyone else. And like, I haven't recovered, right? Versus some people that are like, well, you know, I'm just gonna go out and whatever happens, happens. And there's pretty much other people are just like, well, I'm just gonna just hide stay inside and let the world, you know, do its thing. So uh, like, and it's also curious, like how people, you know, physically interact with each other right now, right? Mm-hmm. because people aren't high fiving, they aren't hugging, they aren't like, doing any of these things. So I'm, I'm curious, like, how are you? How are you dealing with that?
0: Yeah, and that's definitely different too. I'm someone who I always give someone a handshake when I see them or a high five or something. We always do that. So now it's, I meet someone I'm like, Oh, hi, waving from a distance. We're not doing the, the elbow bump thing, but I'm sure that'll be a thing in the future. My wife is <laughs> a huge hugger, so she's always wanted to be affectionate and hug people. And, you know, she likes to break ball. She'll, she'll poke you or push you or something, you know, in a, in a playful way, not never actually moving you or hurting you, but just, you know, getting you out of your head or just trying to liven up the, the day. But yeah, we, uh, there's definitely people there who were a lot more tense in the beginning. And there's a couple people that were, really sheltered and really worried about catching something. And we were telling them, if you don't feel comfortable, don't come. We are not any peer pressure to someone. We're not saying, Oh, really come out. You'd make it too big a list." No, no. Do you feel any reservations? Do not come. I do not want you to be negative at the party. Also don't want, if something happens, you can blame us. Like, this is your choice. We gave you no peer pressure whatsoever. You made the choice.
1: Yeah. And I think what, with, you know, me being in Singapore, we are getting, just getting out of like the phase two. So phase one, uh, I'll explain this to people that are listening. So phase one, they locked down all of Singapore. We, we could go out for like grocery shopping and and like essential stuff. Right. Uh, But we couldn't like, you know, go to restaurants. We couldn't go out and hang out with people. So now we're in phase two where we can go out, we can go to restaurants, we can dine out, we can drink, but it's a limit of five people. So we can't like, uh, You know invite six people or seven people uh but there are ways to work around it so if there's like a couple that lives together you can invite five people so it's seven people that that that's okay apparently (laughs) or if you have roommates in that house right you can still invite five people so depending on how many people are in your house roommate wise you can have like a party right so you can still have those get-togethers but there are people here that are actually social distancing uh folks so people are wearing these red colors, and um, I think they work with the government or or the health and safety commission here, and they actually supervise people of like staying like distance away. If you're sitting in a restaurant or if you're sitting outside waiting to get into a store, they're they're actually encouraging people to be away from each other, which is probably like a cultural difference from obviously America, right? Because you know you tell them to do something, and then for like a official or something, they'll probably get pissed for whatever reason. Yeah.
0: Which taking is, my freedom
1: yeah taking your freedom i can't breathe underneath a mask which i don't know that that makes no sense to me i this <laughs> is bizarre chris like the whole like america thinks that being required to wear a mask is a what not like a right or god it's like not normal to wear a mask or something i don't know how that argument spawned but it's funny because i was reading that what was it the bank uh, it was Goldman Sachs that came out with if people wore masks, we would save X billion dollars in the economy, right? Mm-hmm. And go figure. If people are like, oh shit, I guess maybe we should wear masks, right? The fact that the government says to wear masks or any government official say a mask, people are like, oh no, that's a terrible thing. But when if it's a bank, everyone's <laughs> like, oh, we're gonna save money. Okay, sure, we, maybe we should wear masks. That's stupid to me, dude. <laughs>
0: I don't think too many people got their mind changed from Goldman Sachs, but yeah, I saw that. It's good that they're doing it because they're getting in the way of all those Wall Street capitalists that are saying, no, 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 we can't afford to let the economy fail. We need to take the risk and accept the risks. In Singapore, you were saying that they have red masks to indicate uh, this person is an official somewhere. Maybe there should be a system where we have uh, accepted colors of masks, where someone who is immunocompromised and or someone who identifies themselves as someone who's more susceptible and they're stating that I have a mask, but I'm also uncomfortable situation. So it's just be more mindful of my space around this person while other people are like, I don't really care. Maybe there should be different degrees. Like maybe we should encourage people who are immunocompromised to wear red masks. So we know let's be extra careful around them. There's a legitimate reason we can help people take the amount of risks that they should be taking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I'm not sure how you would change that
1: culture around America Mm -hmm. In general, right? Because everyone, for whatever reason, takes everything to the nth degree. So you're, you're for some reason, if we tell people to wear masks, it's we're taking away their God-given right to breathe. <laughs> and yeah. for whatever reason, we we try to implore like gun laws. People are like, you're taking our guns away. Uh, I don't know where that comes from. And if you look at uh, look at it logically, I think it makes sense to some to have some rules in place to like obviously regulate laws on guns. But I'm not saying we should take away their guns, but people, for whatever reason, take it, I don't know, offensively, right? Yeah. Like, taking away their rights? Like, I don't yeah. know.
0: <laughs> There's a big, huge libertarian streak in American politics. It's stronger now than it has been in some time. And that's definitely not something that exists internationally. There's really not those hardcore libertarians. There are, there are some out there, but it's the, the government is being tyrannical. We need to give them as little power as possible. Otherwise, we aren't being hurt, losing rights, and everything becomes a slippery slope. And logically, slippery slope is kind of ridiculous. So you can't just assert that this means this, this means that, and it spirals into all this. That's that's such a big leap. It doesn't really exist. So the slippery slope arguments are considered valid in politics, but they're not. It's completely a logical fallacy. So they're saying that, yes, we talk about this, now the government steps in here, then they can start stepping in on your gun rights. They can start stepping in your property rights. We're giving them too much power. And the more power they have, the more we're going to regret it. But there's leaps in there. And I feel there definitely needs to be the voice that pushes back and says, the government is bordering on tyranny. We understand just exceptions, but you also need to make sure putting end dates on things. We're saying, okay, this is the rules until this date, and then we reevaluate. We can't just have blanket things and you get into like, you know, patriarch and things like that, which, yeah, that was kind of messed up. We gave the government way too many rights and it somehow got renewed. But those are the conversations that we need to look at those with a microscope and keep on focusing on them so we don't let them get out of control. But a regular cycle where they get nominated and re upped and stuff like that, it should be smaller cycles. So I think if you have, you take it one month at a time, that seems reasonable. I get that it's tyrannical. The people who are saying it's tyrannical should speak up. But just because it's tyrannical doesn't mean it's, it's the wrong decision. You can be forcing in some extra rules and making people do things they don't want to do and imposing your will as a government. But the government exists for health and safety. That's exactly our point. We, we have them for this exact point. So let them do their job. Again, we should push back because sometimes they could take it too far. But let them do their job.
1: I think what the problem is right now is that there, there are people that are just going way far right. And then the people on, like, I guess, left are going super far left, super liberal. And there are issues there that you need to compromise. Like you can't just be the extreme, unfortunately. But this is like what's America come to, right? Mm -hmm. I really don't know how the right way to fix things are, but it it sucks because I have a lot of liberal friends, but they're going super liberal, right? And I'm just like that. Like I get your point of view, but listen, like there needs to be like some basis of reality and some basis of law and order in general i'm not saying you know you're right or wrong but you need to have some rationale that you know this is not possible and i mean same goes for the far right right like obviously Mm -hmm. they're a little bit loony uh maybe and maybe they see the super super left liberals loony too but the problem is it's just the extremes aren't coming into a nice like area of agreement or disagreement right and there's there's no person i guess that seems to you know be that status quo of rationale or logic
0: right now which sort of sucks yeah it's a sales and political tactic that's been corrosive it it is effective though so what the idea is you say something that's so far left or so far right that people are like oh that's ridiculous so then you come back a month later with something that's a little more towards the center And say, oh, well, that sounds reasonable in comparison to that ridiculous idea you had over there. So that way you're able to move the pendulum. So people are saying, so now we get a generally left of center thing passed by putting out something that's super far left. So just doing that allows us to accomplish our goal. So we just keep on throwing out outlandish ideas out there. So that's one of the reasons why they always made sure Bernie Sanders had a voice, but made sure he wasn't electable. The whole thing is we're going to say, okay, what you're looking at is socialism if you elect Bernie Sanders. So now anything that's not Bernie Sanders is now acceptable because it's not as left as socialism. Not condemning socialism and all that, but I'm saying that is part of the tactic and the strategy of the Democratic Party during this last couple of cycles. Yeah. And then I don't get the obsession with being right. I don't get why we don't focus on having level headed people, people who are capable of making the right decision. Maybe they lean a little left of center or right of center, but they're capable of going across the line. We don't, we have to have someone who, before something happens, I know exactly how they're gonna decide because this is what the party would say. And to me, that's ridiculous.
1: Yeah, and also gonna echo what Obama brought up in an interview probably in the past few months where he really didn't like the culture around being woke, right? And I think we've talked about this in the past, just on a personal level, right? Like, why do you have to out-aware each other? What's the big deal? Because in general, right, If you're trying to out-aware each other, I feel like you're just trying to be the smarter person in the room and you're just not listening, right? Yeah. On top of like, being like, especially the activists, right? You see that the, all these activists trying to educate and get on people for not being black enough or not being uh, vocal enough, whether it's Michael Mm -hmm. Jordan as an example, right? Like example, I saw John Boyega in the protests in England and dude was out there crying (laughs) like doing really good speeches i love that and i think a lot of people were like you know oh this is great like he's out there he's he's talking he he doesn't care about his celebrity status but people were like asking where's idris ilba at or (laughs) where you know so so and so at and i'm like dude why can't you just like appreciate this for what it is who cares about the other celebrities like why do you have to care about other people just woke quote quote and the other issue that i have is you know activism and it goes back to what like obama saying like an activism doesn't mean you tweet and keep bullying somebody into like understanding your point of view how are you coming to like an understanding like not educating the person you're just making the person feel like shit for not knowing certain things right so the cancel culture that goes on top of it's like oh you're canceled because You weren't aware of this like 10 years ago and we're going to bring it up now. I think it was, what's his name? Jimmy Kimmel. He was in blackface like years ago. People are bringing that up now and like, oh, we're going to cancel Jimmy Kimmel. Hashtag cancel Jimmy Kimmel. And I'm just like, how is this activism or how is this being woke? You're just like being predatory on past things that didn't matter in a different like era. And I get it. Like, I get that you're trying to inform people and be more socially conscious now, but that doesn't help your movement. You're just bringing back the past. Meanwhile, we're like in the present. I feel like we should be moving forward from this, but
0: I don't know. That's just my opinion. You're talking about like the woke statements and there's people who put a good statement out there. They're showing that they're listening to the movement. They're trying to be part of it, but they didn't mention this particular name. So therefore we have to discredit and undermine their thing. Everyone gets criticism for everything. I think woke... And mansplaining are two sides of the same coin. It's this, I have to correct and undermine what you're saying because I'm more right than you. And it's just pushing that out there. No one likes being corrected. There's not a single person that does it. If you correct someone, you put them in the corner, they withdraw, they react negative to it. So just correcting people, just because you're correcting someone about race and culture doesn't make you less of a dick for doing it. it it's a dick thing to do. I get we want to raise awareness, and you want to have a conversation, but just correcting someone and rebuking them publicly that's going to just piss people off and make people retreat we're talking more where like obama's coming from it's the let's have a conversation let me raise my points that your point brought up and we can have a conversation about it we can build on it saying like oh yeah i could get them to agree with my point and say now that i had a conversation i also want to make sure i'm thinking about that or next time i make a statement i'll think about that that's a good point we're not having that this is the oh you suck because you didn't mention this we also are rejecting someone like Obama, who's done years of activism. He's president of frickin' United States, Harvard lawyer, ridiculously smart person, one of the smartest people in the country. And then now this random woke divist is smarter and knows better than Obama. If someone that credentials and clearly a smart man, we should be listening to him. We should be respecting what they have to say. He's also a person of color. He's experienced racism. He was president of the United States during a very decisive Republican Party, that's still existing today. So he was the highest black official and we're saying how racist America is now. He was seeing a lot of racism. He probably has as much experience as anyone. He grew up in a biracial family. You're gonna have people in your family that are acting racist to you. You're gonna be in white neighborhoods and you're a lonely black person. You're gonna see a lot of racism. So I think he has more personal experience racism than the vast majority of people out there. He has a lot of insights in it and he's learned to work with those people despite how many negative things have happened to them.
1: What I've noticed, especially with how politics has been playing out, right, like mostly the older generation that I've seen, they're diehard conservatives, especially like immigrants that have come from mm-hmm. outside the country. Uh, we're talking about this, like I know Filipinos in general are, are like that. So it's just very fascinating on how that works out.
0: Yeah, there's a situation where you being a good person to call the United States is going to be in conflict with your identity as Filipino. It's the same as Latin folks as well, right? Yep. It's a lot of that. Yeah. You get into places where you're a conservative by nature. There's a, a big Christianity focus in your culture. This can also be a conflict in black society as well. Depending how Christian your upbringing is, Christian and conservative go hand in hand. You're saying that it it's a conservative mentality. I'm not saying that's bad, but we're talking about conservative personality traits versus conservative politics. There's a difference there views on traditional marriage and stuff like that, where it's not necessarily coming from the I hate gay people. Most of them have never interacted with them. They just aren't allowed to exist in their community. Being able to make those decisions is something that industrialized nations can do. If you're not coming from an industrialized nation, you don't even hear those voices because they're so squashed. Again, that's oppressive. I'm not saying that's right, but they're coming from a different perspective versus someone who's been here for 30 years. They've seen and interacted with gay people since the 70s. They've known they existed. They're in the news. They're part of their society, so it's a lot easier for them to accept it. But some just coming over, they're gonna have bad opinions of homosexuality just because they haven't interacted with it. That's not right. right. But they'll they'll get there. Right. The next generation of kids usually gets there. Usually, your social conservative views get weeded out over generations, especially for recent immigrants. And and we've had conversation too about how. Someone who is a first-generation immigrant from even Europe, to classify them as white seems disingenuous. They may have white skin, but they're not culturally white. White, white, black, person of color, these are experiences that they cannot relate to. So yes, there is privilege and all that kind of stuff, but there's difference between being raised in that privilege in context of the United States versus being raised somewhere completely different. If they come from a place that is also completely white, they have a privilege in that particular country, but to just conflate them and mush them all together. Like we have a friend who is, he's Irish, but his, his mother is like off the boat, like really, she grew out there. She has no ill will towards anyone. They're very nice, welcoming people, but his exposure to, to black people was completely non-existent. There's no hate in his heart, but he never had the experiences. So may have come off ignorant at first. I don't think there's any hate in their heart, but they're ignorant because they didn't choose to self-isolate. They grew up in Ireland. There's not black people in Ireland. So when they come over here, they have to get those experiences. There's a big difference between you choosing to do something versus you being just not exposed to it because it just wasn't reality where you were. That often takes generations. So judging someone as soon as they come to the country for how conservative they are and they're not on the movement is it's a little weird and disheartening. And you talked also about Latins, that there are Catholic and... Christianity is a big thing. That's part of it, that's a core of their upbringing. And there's really a big secular part of the woke movement is very secular. They're not trying to support Christian and all that stuff. They usually dismiss them as being too conservative, but this is their starting point. They've been Christian for decades and decades, decades. They don't have the ability to just turn on it. If they turn on Christianity, they're turning on their only family in the country. They're turning on their history, their culture. It's part of their upbringing. All right, so then, uh, I want to get into a stupid topic. What, what, what stupid topic do you want to bring up? I think I want to talk about Neuralink. Does that sound
1: good to you? Oh, no. <laughs> Why? Why do you want to talk about this? This is so. Oh God. Okay, let's let's talk. Jeez.
0: So Jay, okay. have you been, have you been listening to Elon Musk? He's been no, talking. I,
1: I refuse. I refuse to listen to him now because he's crazy now. So I I feel like his wife has made him crazier. <sighs> Well, okay, so why do you want to talk about Neuralink?
0: <laughs> I think Neuralink is amazing and borderline a conspiracy theory. I do not know... I know he's saying it's so simple, and it's going to happen within our lifetime. It's going to happen within, like, 10 years, I think he's saying. But everything in his mind happens within 10 years. It hasn't been wrong. which is great. I know this whole thing. It's It's been working out, too. But it may not work out to the exact degree he's talking about, but it, it's still happening. Yeah. So how much do you know about Neuralink? Oh, I know what
1: it's about, dude. You can download any skill and then you could pretty much
0: learn it, do it. Yeah. It's like roughly the matrix kind of thing, but he was yeah. saying some even crazier stuff. Like he can cure blindness. He can cure uh, hearing things. Oh. He can make you wind up oh, losing oh. weight by messing with your hormone levels. It's like, oh, he goodness. can say you could do everything.
1: <laughs> I have a feeling where this conversation is going.
0: <laughs> he was also saying that you could do a hard reset of your mind. You could say, I just witnessed a murder. Let me refresh back to a day ago where I didn't ha- that murder didn't happen to me. All right. So what, what's the point of this conversation? <laughs> <laughs> I love how hesitant you are to talk about this. <laughs> Would you be interested in getting Neuralink?
1: Um, I don't know. I think there's some issues I have. First off, if I'm going to learn something, there must be something happening to my mind that if this gets adjusted or I'm learning it, there's something happening to my brain that probably going to be lost in the translation of data. And the scary part is I'm sure he's already testing this on humans. So there's no way that, you know, they're probably testing and probably seeing like the effects of what's happening right now Mm -hmm. with people. And and that's the scary part. I
0: think I heard they were doing it like comatose people or people who are like about to get taken off a life support. And like, if you want, we can try it. It can't hurt, but, uh, yeah. And that's, I mean, okay.
1: Well, first off the Chinese are already doing this. So let me just say this. I mean, I think it's okay, depending on perspective. I know people out there are like, oh, that's, that's against humanity, blah, blah, blah. Like, dude, you know how many times people have tested on like humans, they're not just using animals. They, they tested on humans too. So, Let's, like, let's get that conversation out of the way yeah. because this dude is definitely testing on humans. For, sure. <laughs> um, for me, I'm just like thinking about the effects that could happen after the fact, like right? when I get connected and neural linked in general, right? Whether it's, you know, I lose memory. Do I gain someone else's memory? Is there some like crazy thing that will be uploaded into my mind? Will it be an AI that takes over my brain? <laughs> like? like what if it's the wrong chip that goes into my head and I act like a Velociraptor,
0: right? Like,
1: <laughs> what? That just, or like, or act like a freaking 28 days later zombie, right? Oh, That's man. definitely possible.
0: That could reset you, right? In theory. Yeah.
1: yeah. In theory, it could reset you. It could actually turn you into like, you know, back into like this primal state of a human being. <laughs> um, if, if you're, I mean, I don't know what, what the studies are right now, but. Uh, I'm sure there's some precautions, and he'll probably have to be clear about that, or maybe he won't be. But who knows? But at this point, I'm glad that he's testing on things. but I'm not happy that I don't know. I, I have questions about testing on comatose people. Do it for the good of things. That, that's what I'm saying. Like, if if a person is scared of like you know gun battles or like they're shell shocked because of a bomb, test it on, on those folks. See what happens. I feel like that might be his next step, to be honest, uh, because I'm sure the military would pay a lot for just that, right?
0: Yeah, I'm sure that testing might be already happening and that yeah. we don't know about. It. But it could get the ethical, do you sign up and you're getting forced to do it versus do you have the option in it? And then, yeah, if you can help with post-traumatic stress disorder, if you can just like rewire a couple of synapses or or clear out that memory. And I guess that's a, if you could clear out a traumatic memory, is that a defining characteristic you need? or do we want to just make sure people have copacetic lives there's so many
1: ethical questions there uh, are but to be honest i think china's already outdid everybody in general with ethical questions i mean they cloned a lamb or she yeah they're doing ai already with like people they're we're building newscasters into ai cast like newscasters that read the news mm-hmm. and they're just ai and then with deepfakes right that's coming so i mean to be honest i think we're at this point in the world where i don't think we should be questioning the ethicalness of anything we should be questioning what happens to a person mentally and health-wise when it when they go through it like what are the long-term effects uh because i mean i feel like there's some benefits to it in general like if i want to become a pro ninja like ninja warrior i could do that that'd be freaking dope like i'll be like jumping everywhere like spider-man
0: throwing ninja stars at you learn about any subject too you could just be a master or something i want to start this you just download all the information right master chef god Gordon ramsay right you could do that
1: that'd be cool Uh, that'd be cool you could learn like 100 languages and talk 100 languages uh i mean there's so many opportunities for some cool things to happen it's just in general right what what does it do to the person's mind and
0: body you're more worried about the side effects of your mental health versus the advantages that Maybe uh it might be putting you in an unfair advantage or the spiraling out of control. You could do all these things and pe- people become like super, super, super humans. Are you more worried about I mean superhuman I mean, power? I mean, there's already superhumans out there and you don't need Neuralink. Come on, yeah. LeBron
1: like, <laughs> James is a superhuman bro He is a freak. LeBron James is a superhuman like uh so probably Tom Brady's up there too. It's just like they exist, dude. And I'm sure there's some military people are superhumans too. It's just like this the the ethical questions out of the way i'm just more worried about the mental health because I, I feel like i would probably do it uh, if i was like older like maybe 70. like i would love to get my memory back if i was 70 or 80 just to like maybe see again or mm-hmm. you know move move freely again or learn how to walk again depending on my state right but what does that do to me at age 70 ver- like versus someone that's age 20. Like what are the effects of this technology that happens to their brain and their men- mentality at that point? Like, does this last forever? These these side effects? Mm-hmm. Does, do, does does this data stay with me forever? Or does it just disappear? Do I need to keep getting a dose like drugs? Like that that's the scary part, right? Like yeah. it could be like heroin almost, where you're just injecting yourself with all this stuff and you need it every day.
0: And I think we both work in tech, so we know how buggy software is. (laughs) So it's like, there's always going to be some sort of issue with it. I think one of the big things that's going to want to happen is you can get dementia patients where like they're literally just completely lost. They literally just can't move in our body. So get them to agree to something where we can try to refire stamps. They're saying that could, there's very promising thoughts about how this may be able to fix dementia. Again, that's all speculation. I don't think anyone's done that I think there are tests happening that we don't know about and they might be looking at some of the stuff that's been happening in China, but he is way too confident and he's not released anything that about what's actually been done yet. But he's very confident about what's possible and a little too confident for to me. like he has acted as some crazy government of Chinese research in my opinion. Yeah.
1: And I think the scary part is like also, uh, for anyone that's been through some psychosis, like there could be also like the voices in your head, right, that may come out of it to there's a lot yeah. of mental health things that could definitely happen. I can see in yeah. general, right? And it's, that's the scary part. But that being said, which Neuralink data would you like to upload? Give me your top three and I'll go.
0: I am trying to think what I would want to know. Or do. Yeah. Or, or do. The doing, I'm not too worried about that. I'm like At this point, I'm too old. If I was younger... Me being able to be a freakish athlete, athlete all the way. I'd pay for myself. I I'd have I'd have a great job. I'd be able to pay yeah. for myself. It'd be great. So an athlete, I don't know what sport I would pick. Um, I feel basketball would be the most unrealistic because you need to have height and all that kind of stuff to do it. Mm-hmm. So baseball would probably to me be the most realistic of sports. If I was to pick a sport, probably be baseball. would mm-hmm. be the most freakish I'll be Barry Bonds basically. I'd get Barry Bonds loaded okay. into myself. That, that's one. That's one. Okay. <laughs> Name your two others. Oh, man, what I else would I do? I'm trying to think. I would want to be someone who can be very charismatic. I think I'm good at it, but I'm not amazing at it. You, so
1: you don't think you're good at being charismatic.
0: No, I think I'm good at it, but I okay. think I could be better. Like someone okay. uh, just be able to get uh the personality of that. I, I don't know how that works. Like I don't want my personality wiped. I still want to be me. Mm. A, physical thing to me is very tangible. And like, okay, I can either hit a curveball I can't. That has nothing to do with my ability to you know talk to people and be my past history and my past memories. But to be charismatic, I feel like that that will rely on your past experiences. So I don't know. Maybe I would probably try to avoid personality traits on second thought. So I think it would be something tangible or something that's specific knowledge on a particular subject. I trying to think any knowledge I would particularly want, Become like Warren Buffett where I just know how to magically invest and be that kind of stuff, that kind of knowledge. Interesting. I don't know. So you, you so you got two. So I I wouldn't want to be that. Like I don't know what to be. I'd try to want to be that. It. I don't think I'd so care that, that much about it. But you you want to be like Bear Bonds. You want to be even more charismatic. I think that. To me, I all I want to do is connect with people and touch with people and have good relationships. That that's so, to me so the most important how thing. How charismatic are we talking about? Are we talking about Martin Luther charismatic or Obama's charismatic, but I don't know if I yeah. want that. I don't think the exact person I want. I'd go with the stand of Oh, stand-up comedians are damaged so much, but it'd be nice to be someone who's that funny. Like Chappelle? I think more Kevin Hart, because okay. Kevin Hart, to yeah. me, is ridiculously likable. Chappelle, he's smart, and he's hysterically funny, probably one of the, the funniest, if not the funniest person ever. Okay. But I think everyone loves Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart is, he knows how to win a room over better than Chappelle does. Okay, that's fair. So, that's like, fair. I, I think he's the most charismatic comedian yeah. kind of thing like that just being someone who's like could really control a room i think he might be one of the best
1: okay so that that's two skills name one last one. Oh
0: man come on man I, i'm trying to think what other skills i would care about like oh as i said i want to make a, a living doing something i would i would enjoy i want to be well liked uh is there any I, I wish i could fly but that's not humanly possible so i can't get that <laughs> Well, you could be an aviation pilot. Nah, that's boring. I don't care about that. That's science doing it. <laughs> Anything else I'd want to do? Yeah. What's what on your list? Maybe you can inspire me. For me in general, I think I want
1: the skill to talk and understand all languages in the world. All right. You want the babble fish? Yeah, dude. Because there's so many things that you could learn from people. And there's so many perspectives that I just want to hear from not just like the English language but from mm-hmm. you know, Chinese man That makes sense Latin Russian whatever that'd be amazing I would I would love, definitely take that on as something that I'd be proud about cuz I could speak all these languages could be interpreter
0: Yeah, and you like traveling so much too, so it makes it easier for you to travel just about anywhere. That's one of the reasons that holds me back from traveling is that I just can't speak a lot of languages. I can't speak any languages. So like, ah, I don't think I could truly enjoy the vacation that much because I just don't understand the people.
1: Yeah, so probably another thing, I don't know how this would work. Maybe this isn't like a skill, but I would like to be very good at analysis and like, gambling. So like (laughs) reading the cards and just being a mastermind of figuring out, okay, uh, I can win this hand and just win millions of dollars by doing this. Right. Or like looking at uh, looking at stock and just reading like things and just instantly intuition, pretty much intuition, that supreme intuition about things and, and reading things through numbers. I would love to have that because in general, right? Like we may be just normal compared to those those people that count cards, and can really like know like statistically okay i have x amount of odds to win this hand or i know the stock's gonna go down this at this time of the year versus later in the year where i'll probably invest because that that to me is like powerful in general long term
0: so like dave negrano kind of thing or yeah yeah dave negrano type of thing yeah okay i can see that and you just look and you could just really see like the math behind things and just i know i'm confident yeah i'm confident in this and and all the
1: probabilities of everything just really like pinning down like, okay, probability of, of me winning. This is like exponential. So I'll just do it. So I would love to have that because I suck at that right now. (laughs) Um, And then the last one, probably being a master chef, dude. Okay. Yeah. Being a master chef, to be honest, like cooking, uh, anything, anywhere, anytime with any ingredients, making everything just taste freaking good because okay. to me that's that's how you connect with people like having those experiences cooking with folks talking and people talking about the food you cooked whether it's shit or whether you could do better or whether this is nice and also like really like relating to like maybe someone from south america because you cook their dish or maybe europe again something very travel-esque but like that'd just be cool in general
0: yeah so you're saying you would really like to be a traveling chef on the inside that's who you'd be like ideally
1: well to be honest i would like to be anthony bourdain <laughs> and replace him as a spiritual successor uh but uh in general right it would be incredible just to do that
0: yeah yeah i think that's cool because you have a, a very specific person i think you have in mind like this is how i want to grow and not I, I think it's tangible for you to be able to actually make steps towards being that like you get more language can't learn them all but learning cuisine i think is easier than learning languages i might be biased on that too that i just don't a little know <laughs> bit.
1: I mean, it's, it's about quality right like when i went to italy like i just learned like you don't have to have you need to just have the best ingredients you just can't make anything with like everything you know what i'm saying like you mm-hmm. just can't randomly throw in a random ingredient that you just found on your mom's shelf like you have to get the best of the best but i want to learn how you make you know gold out of shit.
0: <laughs> right?
1: like, That'd be incredible. Like you like what if my dog took a shit but I made the dog shit taste like <laughs> freaking like I don't know like chicken
0: lasagna or something, right? Oh man. You'd be
1: impressed. You'd be freaking impressed. <laughs> That'd be incredible. That's like a superpower, man. Like
0: you cure world hunger by eating shit.
1: <laughs> literally. It's like Jesus somehow multiplying the loaves of bread and giving it to everybody, right? Like how did that guy do that? oh he probably cooked in a specific way i'm assuming maybe he was a master chef who knows but that would be incredible
0: like just to like do that yeah that does sound pretty cool cooking to me doesn't matter i I love food i'm like "Eh, i'm a baseball player i could probably afford it right (laughs)
1: yeah Yeah, yeah.
0: but if but if i didn't if we were talking about just having skills like if all of them were independent like i couldn't have multiple of them Mm -hmm. i could definitely see the cooking being out there i um, yesterday I actually grilled, like I enjoy grilling for people Yeah. like me being able to make something that will just make them instantly happy. And a reason for us to get together. I think you're onto something. You, I think that is being a world-class chef. One of the things that sucks about it is you can't enjoy an average meal anymore. So like, there's always okay. that negative side to it, but no. I think if I could, uh, if they're all then with siloed, I think I'd pick something, Just being some sort of amazing chef. I don't care about French cuisine, but someone just makes something like very savory. I want yeah. someone who's a world child, like more like a Bourdain thing where it's like, the, yeah. I know how to do things in Southeast Asia. I know how to do things in South Asia. I know how awesome. to do things in Africa. I know how to do things in South America, like those kind of things. I don't care about yeah. high-end French cuisine. I don't care about that, but getting those secret unlocked textures and flavors that you really don't see too much. Yeah. That would be It'd awesome. Be freaking dope.
1: It'd be dope. I would love to do that. So, Yeah. <laughs> Glad I talked you into that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, that sounds good. That sounds so good. Yeah, because I I think secretly everyone wants to be Anthony Bourdain. It just seems so good. Ironically, he's someone who committed suicide, so he was not that happy on the inside. And part of that was all the struggles and strife he had earlier in life. He seemed to be doing relatively good at the end, but it, it catches up with you. In theory, Neuralink can help you clear that stuff out and give you the skills. Well, I mean, sure,
1: but if you... Go back to the david Chappelle skit right he had a friend that went to law school got married the they got divorced that girl took everything and this guy ended up working in a footlocker as a manager and he's like 40 has like two kids has nothing but it never occurred to him to kill himself <laughs> it's like he never pulled like an anthony Bourdain. so in general i wonder what spirits are were haunting mr Bourdain at the time mm-hmm. so regardless like Anthony Brunet had the best job in the world, but this dude, Chappelle's friend, didn't even think about killing himself.
0: Yeah, so, and a part is of that is, uh, I said, is, we've gone through our personal struggles, so I think of all my experience I had now, I, I don't think I, I would, but if I had all the experiences, maybe I would. I, I, I can't say I didn't right. live in his shoes. But yeah, I hear you saying, like, I don't think him touring around the world and having great cuisine is what caused him to commit suicide. No, right? It's all the stuff, all the bags before there. But one of the things is, if you could truly realize it, like, would you get to that plateau if you didn't have experience? So like, if we were to become and get those skills as a chef, would we have the passion and knowledge to really be able to bring out the flavors? Is it a matter of just actually skills and knowing how things work? Or is there a lot of cultural things and the skills are actually kind of moot? Do you think you would be able to be good as a chef by just knowing the technical skills if you didn't have the cultural knowledge? Who knows? I don't know. It's the only one way to find out. Only one find out.
1: <laughs> but I'm not doing Neuralink.
0: You're not I'm doing Neuralink. Me.
1: I would I I would, would wait for version 3. It's just like getting the first iPhone.
0: You never yeah. get the
1: first iPhone. You wait for like version 0.5 or something.
0: Yeah, I hear it's you. It's
1: like perfective, yeah. I
0: was saying like, all right, we're talking down the road. Uh, we're 70. We're getting a really dig- down in health. You can, in theory, get Neuralink put on. It's been tested. It's been looking pretty good. Like, at 70, I'm probably thinking about it. At 40, not so much. But Yeah, not so much. Unless some life-threatening
1: injury happened to me, but yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah I feel like there should be, like, do not resuscitate order. Like, all right, I will donate my uh, life to Neuralink if that's the case. You can try it on me. I don't care. Yeah. So then the other thing is, if you can be revised, does that mean you can be downloaded well?
1: I feel like that's what's what's going to happen, though, eventually. Right? It's like... I think he's trying to download his consciousness and live forever. It's like uh, Futurama, right? With that the heads talking. Yeah. <laughs> it's exactly like that. Um, where your consciousness is downloaded and then you could be uploaded into I don't know, a baby, which is freaking scary. So that is crazy. And I feel like that's just, this is where it's going. And do you think that's
0: him. his motivation to, to live so forever?
1: Too, dude, I think so too, dude. Like, just think about it. He has he has SpaceX. He succeeds at like, you know, figuring out space travel and he knows that space travel is going to take some time. He can upload himself to another being or person and continue his journey of making space travel a thing forever. I I mean, you see it and you hear it from him all the time. So I'm not trying to make things up. He is really serious about space travel. So I feel like he knows like time's running out and probably in his body that I feel like he's trying to make this shit happen and continue to, you know, innovate forever in general.
0: Yeah, he's talking about an age where having it done in like 20 years, I can see him making himself being one of the, the ultimate guinea yeah. pigs of it. And it's crazy to think of living on forever. That sounds weird. I, I, there's no way I could possibly think about it and why I would want to. But the other thing with the, with the Neuralink is, wouldn't this be the ultimate equalizer of everything? We could all start with the exact same foundation of knowledge. I so mean, we're... that's the
1: scary part, right? Like... Like we don't have to be educated. We'll just be depending on on the data that's being inputted into this thing. And then we're all just like equalized. But at the same time, where's your frame of thought of thinking individually,
0: right? Exactly. Yeah. Is it, do we wind up coming with a new group think? Are we saying that everyone's going to see the world this way? Like, like what kind of malware and weird things do you slip in there to kind of force us to see the world in its perspective? How do you well, get these skills yeah. without getting morals? And
1: there's also the, the whole like, what if someone tries to hack into your database, <laughs> which is crazy. Like what if someone slips a chip into your head to act mani- maliciously, right? It's just like bordering on like Minority Report versus mm-hmm. like Matrix versus like any sci-fi film that you've probably seen. So surreal sci-fi um, future almost.
0: Yeah. I don't know how this works either. Cause then you say in theory, it's the equalizer. So in theory, everyone can get put the same amount of level, but is it just going to make things worse? Cause then rich people can, I can afford to do all these uploads. A poor person can't. So then now the rich people are going to have an astronomical knowledge base cause they're able to afford all this kind of stuff. I don't see it solving as many. I see it causing more issues than it's solving. Yeah. It's fascinating. But if it causes these issues, we can wind up making quantum leaps in our progression. we can, wind up learning how to do international, interstellar travel and things like that. This may be what needs to happen for us to take the next evolutionary step.
1: That's fair. But again, I, I don't care about ethics because I feel like ethics <laughs> are, are already out the window. I mean, I, I, I agree with you, but I'm just more concerned of what, what happens to our bodies uh, and what, what may happen with like, you know, what's a terrorist attack, right? Oh, terrorist attack means they uploaded all this data into the person's head to commit crimes. Right? Yeah. They sneak
0: something killers. into the patch and all of a sudden now we're all affected and that's terrorism yeah. in the future.
1: We're, yeah. We're, we're all serial killers now. So um, yeah, we're all like, <laughs> acting like freaking zombies. Oh no. Cause like that, that could happen, right? Like someone hacks into the patch and just makes everyone zombies. That's scary.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's like, such control. Yeah. To have like, if we all get our monthly patch or our quarterly patch, yearly patch, whatever, and now if there's something wrong with that patch, we all are victims to it. Like there'd have to be this weird st- staggering of uploads so we can test and we have beta testers and alpha testers mm-hmm. and things. It's like, oh, uh, it's so weird. But I could see the world functioning. Like, like to me, that's that will be the higher level of human. But are you still human? I-,
1: I don't know. It's weird. I feel like that's what he wants to do though. He wants to make his own little world and community like that, which is very dystopian. I mean, I mean, props to him if he actually makes that happen, actually, because I feel like, you know, obviously America having its own issues and being anti trusting of everything for whatever reason, like, I feel like there are people just wanting that. I feel well, I can't say much, but I feel like the areas in the world that are like that are definitely in areas that I have lived in. (laughs) (laughs) I'll just keep it vague like that. But, uh it's very interesting to, to see people that are very into a person or thing that takes care of them and they just follow along with the rules. So yeah. And they just would rather have that instead of, you know, the the shit show in America. So
0: yeah, I heard him talk about, I think he is on the inside. I think he really is a dystopian. He thinks that we're in one of the worst states of human evolution And then we're really close to being able to just take things to a whole new stratosphere that we're going to laugh at how things were now. Cause like, ah, if we just get Neuralink, we can, we can evolve probably like a million years within a hundred years kind of thing. Like we'd just be able to just Mm. go astronomically out of the place. We're not fully using our brain. And he puts a big thing on our inability to input data. We just don't have the ability to just to get it. We have to read a book watch a video, everything's slow and time consuming, that if you could just yeah. increase that input, we're capable of doing so much more, it's just we have very, very limited input. We also have output limitations as well. So if you have the neural link where you're able to get information, you can also have the neural link where you're able to put information out there. Like you can inject thoughts and feelings out there, and things that you might be able to convey through impulses and things like that. I can express a million words in a minute i not necessarily words, but I can understand that I can express my nuance and feeling on this particular topic. You can think in light in ways that are not structured around sentences that you can really effectively communicate how you feel and how you think with it, because you're not limited by words. I don't know how you trust someone to hold this, where they're not saying that, okay, we're not making just a hive group think like, are you going to turn into like the Borg where it's one shared collective and then you're pushing that out? You're not thinking individually, like, how does that not happen? Scary, man. Scary world. It's scary, but it's so interesting. Like, are we just being so egocentrical, saying that if we were thinking about humanity, we would just do this? We'd read all the books. We'd figure out what is the best path. We wouldn't have questions and debates. Maybe you deliberately make streaming paths where we have someone who is more analytical, someone who's more artistic, someone's more mm-hmm. impulsive. Like, maybe you have these representative builds, but oh, it gets so weird. It's scary, it's... but interesting. And I think it's the future, man. I don't. I, I unfortunately do think it's the future, but there's so many health risks involved. It, to me, like you're worried about the health risks. I'm worried about the the moral, and I don't get how we don't, don't make care. a high money.
1: I don't care about that. I think morals are going to go
0: out the window soon. So I, I, <laughs> I, I think that's what I'm getting my head around, too, is saying that, yeah, we're acting like moral morals in the context of who we are right now. And this is peanuts. Like, why would we worry about the morals now when we could just evolve a million years? Like, why would we hold back evolution like that? Valuing what we have now while just ignoring the potential. Like, that seems like a mistake too. We're going to need to get out of world at some point. We're going to have to get out of the solar system at some point. We need to get there. It sounds like Neuralink will be available when we need. It might be one of those things like, yeah, the asteroid's coming. We're going to, fuck it. We're going to turn on Neuralink. We need to figure out a way out to do it. And this is going to be the best way to do it. We just put a bunch of people in and crazy computing, but also at the same time, if we have Neuralink and uh, we're able to get some personality and maybe we don't need to upload people, maybe we can just get a profile of a human brain, put that in a computer, and then we could just have them think for millions of years and, and get that across. Oh, like that's, maybe
1: just, we, that's, just, that's just scary. That's
0: like some HAL 3000, crush Shit, <laughs> it is, but like maybe it makes more sense for us to let computers be humans and just live a million life cycles and that, we learn from that like stuff. The matrix. That's such a matrix. <laughs> <laughs> we just turn people into batteries. We're here just to serve the computers who make decisions for us. Thanks, Chris. I want to have (laughs)
1: nightmares about this.
0: That's what I'm here for. I'm here to make sure you can't sleep at night. Hold your your pillow tight. I'm glad you went kicking and screaming into the Neuralink conversation. You did a good job with it. Change your gears a little bit.
1: I just saw like protests in Seattle where these poor people were crossing the street, and this this guy just drove into two women. They like obviously one suffered like life serious uh, injuries versus the other one, which is a critical condition, we're seeing so much violent imagery on social media or or television. How did this happen? Like we're we're so like engrossed by how violent things are, yet if you start seeing someone go down on somebody in a movie or they're like naked and they show like part of a woman's breast or maybe show like a guy's penis, people are gonna get offended right? Mm -hmm. And it's weird in this world that we're living in that we're just seeing all these acts of violence as, oh yeah, this is what should be newsworthy. Yet we're offended by the other things like sexual acts. Like, you know, you've seen those typical movies where they don't show a couple getting it on. They'll just show like part of it happening, right? But there's some weird disconnect that I'm seeing. Example, if I go to Germany, right? They're just going to have porn, on like live television, <laughs> raw dogging it on, on live TV, and you're just like that's normal. But in America, it's it's all about the violence. We're just watching it like murder porn. Mm-hmm. But there's this weird oh, because of our values in America, we look down upon half naked people or you know showing like body parts. Really, you're offended by that versus like gratuitous violence that you're just showing us right now people losing an eye in a protest, people like that old man's head bouncing off the concrete when he got when he tripped and fell. Like, how how is that fine? Uh, that that boggles my mind in general.
0: Yeah, and then also the hypocrisy that Kim Kardashian is only famous because she had a sex date. So it's clearly right. a way to do it. And if someone ever has, you know, nudes leak on their cell phone, everyone's watching them and putting them up there. So it's like, everyone wants to see it and if there's an opportunity to see it, they're all going to see it but it's so taboo to have it put in there and you get into the, it's offending particular viewers. So it's not worth us offending someone. I I don't know why. That's not
1: offending. How's that not offensive (laughs)
0: though? Like if I see someone get
1: hit by a freaking car and I see their bodies go flipping into the air, I have to, I'm like offended, right? Like I'm actually like outraged, in a in a way where I'm just this person could have fucking died. Mm -hmm. And then like another example where, Maybe like years ago when in Japan, when they had that huge earthquake, they were showing the wave come in after the earthquake. It was like the aftershock. And you saw people driving away, but people that were driving away, some people got got caught up in the wave and you knew they were just like, they're gone. These people are gone, right? Mm-hmm. And and you're just like, what am I watching? Like, And I, I felt like this sadness because I was like, I just watched people just get murdered on live yeah. television. And... And then, like, yet we're so inclined to looking down upon the sex and all that for whatever reason. But you keep you, the media keeps showing us all these forms of violence. And, and you wonder why people are so violent with each other, right? That, and it's funny, like, you, you saw that picture with that white couple, with the lawyers, with their guns come out <laughs> at, with, aimed at the Black Lives protesters. I saw a tweet that the American hip-hop pretty much gangsterize this couple. Meanwhile, it didn't gangsterize the, the youth of society. And it, it's true. It's like, these people have guns, yet they're aiming them at these poor people of color. Like, what what's going on here? The views and, and perspective of things are just like so twisted with the media, the mm-hmm. news and whatnot.
0: Yeah, and it's intellectual violence. You, you were asked before about why is the nudity so offensive to certain people? It's whether it's in the Bible, is it inappropriate? You're having Premarital sex, and it's encouraging sexual deviance, so those things are considered taboo. They would not encourage anyone to be, you would think they would not be supportive of murdering and acting films like that, but there is definitely a a contradiction there where someone could be just murdering people, and they're like, oh, everyone's justified killing, you know, they kind of do that thing. It's not, there's no things about serial killers outside of horror movies, but those, those horror movies would be chastised by Christian organizations. Uh, But we also get into the intellectual violence where, yes, having someone get shot or seeing an earthquake in there, it's horrible. It's things we probably should not be looking at. It's going to desensitize us. And there's a whole big question of, well, you just need experience. If you're experienced with it, then it's easier for you to pallet. That's not saying that that equals violence, because we have talked about that with video games too, that video games don't make you more violent. It's simulated violence. I don't know if seeing live recordings of actual events would be different, but I wouldn't necessarily suggest that seeing a bunch of violent images is going to make you violent but we also get intellectual violence in this sense that we are always rebuking people and we need to see this one person upstage someone there you know someone destroys someone on youtube where yeah. we're saying that uh this person just got attacked verbally and then that's what we glorify all the news you know go on cnn fox news it's all these stories where someone is just one-upping someone or Oh, look at me, I just made this big grandstand thing. I made this statement. I really showed them, oh, uh, look at that. I taught them a lesson. And why is that glorified too? That's violent too. We're saying that we need to just rebuke and we're enforcing that we should always be, rebuke people and tell them that they're wrong, they're wrong, they're wrong, wrong. You're not winning any anyone over that way. We're becoming more divided. To me, every day that it's okay to be in conflict with people and conflict is how you actually get value and your virtual singling and that's what's important as opposed to saying this person just brought a whole bunch of people together. Everyone says, oh, yeah, I heard about that guy who got a bunch of people to leave the Ku Klux Klan. But that guy doesn't have a TV show. That guy's, we're not having that story go out there. There's not a movie based on that. To me, that's the kind of thing that we should be looking at. These people who had these crazy successes of overcoming some amazing obstacles to learn how to do these things. We still have all our white savior movies, but we don't have these movies where it's, People coming in there and showing you that I'm a man of integrity, even though you hate me, you can still respect me. And and, then we're not teaching people to respect people, we're teaching people to disrespect people. Respect is how you get equality. You need to see the person as someone like you. And we're just always disrespecting and putting distance. We're saying, we're nothing alike. You're that person, there's bad qualities about you. I see bad qualities every time I look at you versus someone saying, we have this in common, we both care, and now we need to work to get a solution that's not the conversation happening
1: yeah and uh you were referencing daryl davis the guy that converted almost what 200 people from the yeah. uk to give up the ropes which is sort of badass and and that, that that's why i think he should be celebrated because the dude literally just had a conversation with these folks right mm-hmm. and he would pretty much talk about in general like why why are you racist against what me right and these people would tell him like oh black people would have like a smaller brain they're inferior right and then of course Darren davis would just sit through all these attacks right he wouldn't he wouldn't react he wouldn't get angry because you know you just assume yeah. that these little offensive like remarks would piss him off he just stayed cool calm and just kept talking and talking and just being rational with these folks and like i forget who he met but it was a kkk leader that he asked him like can you point out where you reference in the bible black people are inferior because kkk they claim that black people are inferior through the bible and he couldn't he he didn't do it he couldn't find it in the bible right because it just says all men are created equal in general so to me it was nice for him to like actually do that daryl davis that is and have this conversation and that's not being woke that's just being civil (laughs) in general and it goes back to the conversation we had about obama like you have to go through that. You have to just stay cool and calm and not react because the moment you react, that's when things get heated in general.
0: We still want to get away from the whole thing of why does every black person have to be the cool, calm person? Why do they have to always be, I have to spend 30, 40 years being the person not offended by things? So they're snapping back now and I get that. It doesn't unify things. So it's it's that weird part where it's a double-edged sword. No matter what they do, they're somehow they're betraying themselves or they're betraying their race. It, it's a really terrible situation to be in. I have to defend myself or I have to swallow it in hopes that I can convert you. Why do you have to take that abuse?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that that's unfortunately what everyone is doing right now. To, to move forward away from this conversation, speaking of people that brought people together to make things happen, are you happy that baseball is coming back?
0: <laughs> I don't think baseball is coming back. I still think there's going to be a so. protest. I think there's going to be Yeah, I think there's going to be some striking going on. Why? Why? Why do you think that? It's such a situation where they're they're coming back to doing spring training, but they're doing in good faith. But I don't know if there's going to be a big random spread. I don't know how the audience is going to work out. I just still don't see why players want to accept that salary. I think they want to show the good faith effort of showing up to training camp, like we're ready. You just got to figure out the deal. So we're giving time frame to to pay us, but I'm still thinking so bad things are going to happen. Really? What about NBA? Uh, NBA, I think, is a lot more realistic because it's a very small roster, and also you can wind up just going like straight to the playoffs or something like that, mm. so you, and there are some teams that don't even have to play because they're just they're terrible. Why make them play more games? And you make a ton of money by doing the playoffs. So I, That, to me, was the best idea to go straight to the playoffs. We can quarantine 8 to 12 people and just make that work still. And it's only gonna be for like a month or two while the playoffs happen. And it's not too unreasonable. But baseball, you're talking about months and months and months, games every single day. I think the owners are gonna have regrets that they're not going to be making the kind of money to be viable. And the players are saying, why you it always need to benefit you? This situation sucks, but why does the players have to suffer? You took risks, business shouldn't be guaranteed. It's too good of a deal to own a professional team. Why do we need to cater to you still? Isn't the players deal up next year too? That was my understanding of it so like i don't get why you do it if it was me i'd be all about just not showing up like why are we doing this why don't we just strike now get a deal going forward or uh if they really do adjust the long-term deal maybe i play this year saying that okay we'll do this we'll make it very lucrative for you going forward we'll give you the percentage you want but you need to suck it up this one season like I, i can understand that but i don't think that conversation is happening
1: yeah i mean it's very interesting just to see the differences of how commissioners are reacting to it, right? Because everyone loves Adam Silver. Personally, I think Adam Silver is like probably the best commissioner in all sports right now because he's just, he's very logical. He's rational. He's going with the flow in the right way. He's being very, he's being the middleman, talking to both sides, not trying to push agenda, but he, he's willing to be progressive about stuff, right? Whether it's through the All-Star game and doing it, the way where they just end up just finishing the game and, and hitting what the scoring limit just to win the game which is pretty cool versus uh you know having that bubble in disney world and trying to make it happen and he even admitted right you know i can't 100 percent say that the season will be stopped again but we're gonna try and i i think that's commendable to be honest because at least you're trying at least you're like he's pretty cool with letting players hey, if you don't want to come if you feel uncomfortable if you're amino compromised, like stay at home. And of course, like if you feel uncomfortable with not like not having your family near you, yeah, don't come.
0: Yeah. And I think part of it is there's always players who have a big identity. So he gets a lot of help from the players in here. Yeah. They can take the heat and then he can say once they make their stance, they make their stance pretty clearly, and then he listens to them and, and echoes it and puts a little spin on it and makes it so all right, I'm respecting what the players say and I compromise. Maybe I didn't compromise at the exact same level they wanted me to, but I got to some level. It's a lot harder in other sports with bigger rosters, where it gets lost in a mix, and also the fan base is a lot more progressive in general. So they're more accepting of these changes. You get baseball. Baseball it's historically conservative. They are very resistant to change. People do not want it to change. So it's it's always going to be this fight of if anything's new, you're betraying the legacy. Baseball has the whole big. It's all about history books. It's all about numbers. Yeah. NBA is really not the case. Even though like they're Hall of Fame, like people make a joke that the NBA Hall of is a joke. Like there's all these people in there who are barely even that good. It's so loose that it's really not sacred in the same way that like a baseball, it's the best of the best. There's been so many players with so many stats that you can really, can make these pretty good measurements. Yes, they're not perfect, but you can really compare players and it's a lot harder to do in the NBA and they factor into historical significance and stuff like that. And then with football, right, I think, <laughs>
1: Football, I feel like it's just very corporate, uh, like on, a, on the extreme end a little bit. Although yeah. I think that's slightly changing, um, I hope.
0: Yeah, I'm uh, very curious to see what's going to happen in this. I think there's going to be a lot of protests, people wearing things and breaking the rules and accepting the fines. I think it's going to be a, a train wreck for football. Uh, yeah, and they're talk about making masks that are COVID safe. So you're like, oh, well, they're wearing their helmet. So they're going to have to wear the helmet all day. I just feel like, I think a lot of NFL players they always call this
1: out in interviews. They always want to be like the NBA in general and I don't think that's going to mm-hmm. that's going to happen to to be honest because I think you just have a majority, you know, the majority stakeholders in NFL predominantly old white people,
0: right? Uh, uh, yeah. The owners are white. They don't have to deal with African Americans, all the higher up people in Football are still white. There really aren't coaches and GMs that are black. And basketball, a lot of ex-players are supported. Basketball does the best job of bringing players in. And since basketball players are overwhelmingly black, you're going to see them represented pretty well. Football, not so much. And I'm convinced that it's just all going to blow up, man. I think it's going to be terrible this year. There's going to be all sorts of strife.
1: Yeah. Well, I think people aren't going to just strike. They're definitely going to bring in that whole like black lives matter movement especially with like all those players that spoke spoken up like pat mahomes and whatnot mm-hmm. and it's gonna be very interesting on in how that plays out um though i'm i'm very i'm actually pleasantly surprised about like uh soccer that that's actually happening in the europe right now they're like they're actually playing games in empty stadiums i'm not sure if you've seen but they've, they've been putting like plushy dolls in, <laughs> in, in, as like the crowd uh, they're they're getting folks to engage via Zoom, so they actually have fans joining via Zoom, and they they highlight them on the gigantic mm-hmm. scoreboard, which is awesome. And the same could be said about Korean and Japanese baseball, right? They also don't play in crowds; they actually put plushies in the crowd too. This is very interesting. Like it's working out for different countries, and why why do you think
0: why do you think that is? So it's cool they're listening to other leagues. Baseball, I think, is going to be the least likely list in other leagues. Football. Yeah. Again, there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. So I don't think they're going to be as open to it. I can't see them doing it without getting the fans. Uh, people are already mm. protesting about uh, I got I have to pay for games and talking about shortened season. It's going to get weird. I, I don't think American sports going to be as receptive. I get what they're doing in Europe. It makes a lot of sense to yeah. try to make it as interactive as possible. Do a bunch of those fun things in the stands. Bring people on the screen. Maybe actually have let them have a quick call, you know, like at some okay. sort of Skype meeting. They've been filtering crowd noise, actually, into the, the gameplay, which yeah. obviously changes
1: everything, right? So, yeah, it's fascinating.
0: Yeah, and they said in the UFC, they did not have any crowd noise. That it was, like, really weird, and they were saying that mm-hmm. the corners were yelling at their fighters and saying, watch out for this, watch out for that. So the, the opponent is hearing it. Usually there's enough deafening noise that you can't really catch it. So then their corner is countering. So, like, there's this little chess match going on because they're hearing each other's feedback and what feedback you want to give and maybe now you're going to get into metagaming feedback
1: it's cool awesome
0: yeah to be honest i think that just
1: makes the fight even better uh i think that just makes it more enjoyable because you hear all the the calls that are happening behind the scenes that you usually don't hear about right
0: yeah for sure and it'd be cool just to get that kind of stuff like i don't know why we're so obsessed with commentators just boringly talking about things hearing the corner That would be pretty cool. I know they're going to be raw and cursing, but they do a lot of stuff with the documentaries afterwards. Like, I'm not a big fan of boxing, but they used to do those HBO documentaries on it and just showing you the work that went behind it, some of the stuff that's being said during the scenes. It'd be really good to get insight. That's kind of stuff that really lets you get a deep understanding of the the sport. So I want to ask you something. Did you see the article talking about how baseball's having a profanity problem? No, I didn't see that. So one of the things with the Mets last year was LFGM was a thing. You used to always LGM was a thing. Let's go Mets. Let's go Mets. It's kind of like a, a thing going on for, for decades. But then mm-hmm. Pete Alonso comes in and he's like, let's fucking go Mets. Cause let's bring energy and excitement in. And then wow, now that like the, the most New Yorker thing. Exactly. So yeah. everyone was about it. You see like all this uh, LF GM going everywhere, selling everywhere. Yeah. It became a new thing. It was like a thing. I've even said it colloquially to people it's it's a quick like okay it adds a little more fun to it and they're saying well oh, we have the profanity problem players are taking these liberties not being respectful of the game that's the same kind of bullcrap you always hear in baseball so yeah. do you feel this is an issue that we need to be more reserved or do we need to embrace this kind of cursing more edgier personalities
1: i mean that's the problem with baseball though they don't like personalities that stand out right if you had like more personalities like a bryce harper because bryce harper was pretty outspoken right but like mm-hmm. uh The fact that people came down on him because he's like, oh, that's a clown question, bro. Like, like, why would you come down on him? He's showing his personality, first off. In general, like, baseball doesn't embrace types like that for whatever reason. They like the well-spoken, like, Derek Jeter types. Uh, Aaron Judge is actually a little bit like that, too, which is surprising to me. Uh, But it's just very strange that why would you be so conservative when you need stars in a struggling sport like I, I think it's struggling in general because what viewership was down by, by a lot last year too right like viewerships right. have been going down too and like people haven't been going to the games in general yeah uh, it's just you, you need people to speak up and be stars i don't get it
0: yeah i think there's a legitimate fear that basketball might be able to catch up to baseball and you like don't I think said, it's
1: catch up though you don't think it's, I, fun, it's
0: not it's not there yet but it's getting there um, but uh, if you talk about individual games being seen, yeah, but baseball has so many more games and they mm-hmm. still sell a lot of merchandise. So I think the merchandising on baseball is still a lot better than NBA. But yeah, I hear you. Like those clubhouse, they're together for 162 games, man. There's gotta be hilarious, ridiculous things happening behind the scenes yeah. all the time. We never see any of that. Like, yeah. why are we embracing these? Bryce Harper being an enemy is good for the sport. Even if everyone hates him, just the fact that everyone hates him people watching more videos one of the big things that set nba apart is they embrace youtube like we're gonna give everybody free content we're gonna put this stuff baseball's no you can't have any clip that was from baseball on youtube and you have to get all these rights and all this kind of stuff they're not embracing the wave of the new they're no no, no. we need to keep it silo we need to profit from everything it's all business 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 well it's the and,
1: same with the nfl right like they just stop with the celibate story like touchdown things and they penalize people which is sort of messed up like who cares, dude? Like seriously. Um, I, I think example like in baseball in general. Going back to baseball, it's like remember Jose Batista doing the bat flip? That was amazing. Oh that man, amazing! And like of course, like the next year, I think he got he, he got into a fight with. Uh, you got Jordan pegged. Yeah, or- <laughs> pegged. It was awesome. Like, I would rather have that. Oh, so instead much. Instead of I would rather have that instead of just like this weird cookie cutter like BS like no emotion shown. You need more of that. You need more people like that. An example, like if Mike Trout started like being more flamboyant, and more charismatic like that, oh dude, for sure, I'd, I'd want to see more of that in general, right? Because mm-hmm. Mike Trout is very, he's very chill. He's very fan-friendly. I've seen interviews with him and, he, and how he interacts with kids. It's awesome. He's a good guy. I like him a lot, actually. But you need those people that are just, you know, out there trying to kill your team, trying to like... You know, be the best of the best. You need that or else you're just not going to develop stars the way you want.
0: Derek Jeter is the ideal person and it's boring as fuck. No one wants to be, see Derek Jeter all the time. Yeah. So as a leader, we respect him, but I was also in a day of newspapers. Now we're in a day of videos. We want someone who's entertaining. Mike Trout doesn't want to be that and that's fine. He's so good at his job. Why are we going to try to force him to be entertainer as well? Just just the pitchers in baseball are also ridiculous eccentric characters. Like there's so many yeah. things that we could be seeing. Yeah. And uh the bat flips. That bat flip of Jose Bautista is the funniest thing. It just has a question mark. It's like even he's surprised how badass he fl- he flipped that bat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so good. And it's like, let yeah, it's people so do good. it. If yeah. someone flips the bat while they're running the bases. And the ball doesn't get over. They're gonna laugh. that so fucking hard. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. risk you take when you flip the bat is it. It's like the guy schooled you. Like why do you have yeah. to get so upset about it? One of the things is pitchers refuse to look at the ball goes to the fence. Like oh, I don't want to want to see it. I know it's over. So then they look at the batter and like oh, they're looking for disrespect. Just be better. Yeah. What's the big? Why is it disrespect? Why do you have to interpret? It? Why is this a big machismo thing? It's like he hit it. He gave entertainment value. Him flipping that bat is in theory making you more running as a pitcher, so it's it's helping the
1: sport. I really enjoy it when like you see the player going to the bench, like from after they hit a home run, and they oh. like, mess with the player, they disappear into the dugout, oh. and it's it's hilarious. So they do those dances, like the Washington Nationals were doing all those mm-hmm. crazy line dances if they hit home runs. I love that. I love I love seeing that because it's like commodity. It's it's the team, right? Yeah, and there, there's something nice about that. But the problem is. Like, no one likes showboating. They don't like people doing, like, the back flips or even the pitchers, man. Like, some some pitchers get super energetic when they strike people out. Was it Papelbon that was, like, talking shit the whole time? Right? Let them talk. Who cares?
0: Yeah. There's something like you just had a bunch of adversity. Like, you had bases loaded and you struck someone out. And, they're like, you get fired up. Like, I thought I was going to screw this up. And I came through. It's like, it's a good moment. Let people be emotional. Let people enjoy it. Yeah. You don't want to get a point where they're getting adversarial about it. But if you can't enjoy your own success, you no, know, just shut up and play the game. Like, no, that's all point. We keep on telling people to shut up and do their job. Let them be who they want to be. We want people to be able to express themselves. Telling them to shut up and do their job is part of the overall problem we have in this country where we want people. We want to just suppress people's voices and say, no, 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 no. Everything's good. J- just be quiet. You'll make your money. I'll make my money doesn't matter if that person's making more money. No, just, you got something. So just be quiet and be happy. No, no, no. Let people be who they want to be. If they have entertainment value in them, let them express it. I mean, we're too focused on making everything corporate that it winds up being boring. We wind up having uneventful lives. Football yeah. what relaxed a little bit on those celebrations. They used to be, oh, no, you can't have any teams in it. But the funniest thing is those damn memes about the 49ers celebrating when they're up in the Super Bowl. <laughs> and then the... And uh, just having those kind of things, like, if you celebrate, you better be damn well sure. And, like, to me, that's the best thing. You're going to celebrate, but if you celebrate too often, too early, being able to say, ha, 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 you celebrate too early is hilarious. And that teaches a bigger lesson that you need to be. But it's so much more entertaining if you do. <laughs> it's a risk you're taking. They're saying that I'm putting myself out there. I'm taking a risk. And I p- people appreciate that risk. Yeah. I think it's it's like Max Scherzer talking to himself, amping
1: himself up, right, when he pitches. Yeah. Uh and it the the funny things about you know celebrations, right, where the the things that could go wrong. You remember when the Seahawks could've ran the ball into the end zone yes. and won the Super Bowl? And then it's became like it became an ongoing meme, it's like and they should have ran the ball. Right? Like Seahawks <laughs> yep. should have ran the ball. It, it's just it's funny to me because that that to me is like memorable because people love to like, you know, make fun of that type of stuff. Like or Eli Manning, like, beating Tom Brady in the Super Bowl twice. Even Tom Brady, like, memes himself. He didn't want to play golf with uh, Eli Manning. Yeah. Beaten again in the fourth (laughs) fourth quarter, right? So I love that. I, I love that type of, like, awareness of players, and you need that. I think you can't be conservative. If baseball was open and more open about, like, you know, mocking itself, I think people would be more inclined to be watching the sport in general and supporting their players, especially.
0: Yeah, to me, like, the best moments in sports is when you see someone who's been, like, a 20-year veteran. I don't even care about the team. I may not even care about the sport, but just seeing them win for the first time and just that emotion all that, like, that's a great feeling. You get to have that positive experience, like, this clearly meant something to them. They're having such a great moment. Seeing that backflip, if it's in the context of this is a big home run, that's awesome. That really amplifies and makes you remember it. Some of my favorite memories in the recent years were some epic backflips after some epic comeback. Like, it's cold for. In this situation, we should be excited. Why are we trying to suppress it? I get first inning, you hit a a lead-off home run. It's just a random home run. Yeah, that's a little ridiculous. And you get into, like, well, whether it should get pegged or not and whether pegging is appropriate. But if it home run and, like, the seventh inning after, I think just about every backflip should be okay. (laughs) Yeah, and I I think... What you're saying about showing
1: emotion right I, I loved it when the nationals won and max scherzer was crying to animal sanchez right uh-huh. and some history there right they were they were on the tigers team that went to the world series with verlander and they lost the cardinals i believe right so it, it was good to just see two like people finally win that world series you you could hear max scherzer saying like we finally did it and it was just nice to see that moment like i, I was like some man feel showed up Yes, this is like the teammate love and camaraderie. Mm-hmm. I want to see it because they work so hard. This is their first World Series. Like they, they may have missed out against the Cardinals. That pitching staff was amazing. They had so many good people on the staff, but mm-hmm. the fact that they did it together, like Anibal Sanchez and Max Scherzer, that just, I don't know, it speaks volumes of like the connection of both of them, uh, what they tried to do in the past and they, them finally like hitting the mountain, like just celebrating finally all that emotion coming out. I love that.
0: Yeah. And then you touched on something to me that's also everybody talking about the man feels and like, it's good to yeah. get that because they don't have too many opportunities to do it. And yeah. we, this is furthering that society is pushing it that, well, no, 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 men are not supposed to be emotional. Just, just do your job. Don't say anything. Don't feel anything. It's like, no, we want to do that. We're getting good, positive examples of people expressing emotion. And we're yeah. supposed to say, oh, that's inappropriate. We're shaming people for having emotions when it's an appropriate situation. If we normalize it in sports, it makes more sense in everyday lives. Now, one of the things like LeBron getting his hands together, throwing up the, the dust and stuff like that, it became a celebration. It became something that people are doing. You get people doing the fist bumps and all that, like a tiger fist bump and stuff like that. Like, that's the kind of thing like, yes, it's okay for me to have a personality and express myself. And then we try to shame men for, oh, no, 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 they're not being emotional. They're being too robotic. And the, that's kind of how you were raised. And your culture says that you should be this reserved person. Our society enforces you a reserved person. When now we're at the point where we're almost telling people they should be guilty feel guilty for being a reserved person if it's authentic to who they are they shouldn't feel guilty anyway we just talked earlier about you shouldn't be saying so for so but we get into the thing where a man cannot be if a man is stoic that means they're suppressed if they're emotional that means they're not a leader and like do you dan if you dan if you don't I'm not trying to say that men are bigger, oppressed things and this is a, a huge thing but it does interact, affect how we interact with other people, our ability to show compassion to people who are not like us. And that includes women, that includes people of color, things who have different backgrounds, different education levels. If we're always suppressing emotions. One of the things we're suppressing is compassion. Yeah, it's true. And I think that just
1: – I feel like that's an even deeper issue <laughs> in society, right? <laughs> that dudes are not allowed to show emotion for whatever reason. And if they do, they're, they're feminine. Like who cares at this point? Like who cares? I mean, you see in sports, right? Like you, know, you see players cry, break down, cry after that maybe they lose in the Super Bowl, or even if they win. Uh, I I, know, I think the perfect example is like Michael Jordan, right? Like winning the championship on on Father's Day, right? And like yeah. that clip of him crying, like in that was used in the Last Dance documentary of him sobbing. That hits so much differently from seeing it from maybe when I was younger, and you didn't hear the crying. But mm-hmm. seeing it as an older like guy and, and hearing him sob, oh, dude, it was just heartbreaking a little bit because it's like, oh, man, like this guy lost his father and this means this much to him. And that's that's really I mean, it's a good thing, but it's also just like all the emotions came out of nowhere. I was like, wow, th- this is it's good for me to see that other human beings that are males can actually show that emotion. Right. And yeah, I feel like that's actually a good thing.
0: And we never unpack it, too, because you see these people crying and they just cut away yeah. to hear them do an interview and talk about why this made them so emotional, that's awesome. And you get to hear that story. It makes you root for them more or, or super excited that you can feel for them more. Just seeing someone crying like, oh, I'm glad this is nice. And, but you don't understand the context of why this matters so much to them. And if we talked about that more, we would love those players more. We would have, we would be able to feel and emphasize with them and really feel generally excitement for them, even if they're playing for a rival team or I know nothing about them. You get to understand that, This person did struggle and remind you that nothing comes easy. And this person, things did not come easy to this person. And they're getting overwhelmed because of that. That's awesome. We should be cherishing those moments instead of just shaming them and understand what led you to this point that allowed you to get that kind of emotion. One of the things I always say is if the Mets finally win a World Series, they've struggled. They've really not had too much of a chance too many times. They went to World Series twice. Both times they got kind of blown out. But being able to like have that experience and this big buildup to it, that's going to affect me the most of any sports memory I ever had. I saw the Giants one, like, that was cool and all that, but they were kind of good when I was younger. Like, they were, it wasn't a surprise. But that long, torturous wait, that's what makes it emotional, that there was a buildup to this and you get that cathartic experience. That's just going to be awesome. Yeah. It's like the Chicago Cubs finally winning the World Series. Yeah. So many people
1: were crying in the crowd, right? And that was, to me, that's beautiful. Like, For I mean, sure. That's like seeing a city finally win the championship. Oh man, that's, that's awesome.
0: Like, the Red like Sox almost, winning was my favorite time, yeah. man. Just seeing that really? happen. Wow. Yeah, I, yeah. That's my favorite. Uh,
1: I don't like that memory. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was my favorite one. I was full hearted Red Sox. fan at the point part of it was just because I didn't like the Yankees, but the fact they came all the way back and just seeing these people, just this has been like their lifelong dream. I, I that's awesome. We should be able to enjoy and share those moments with people yeah. instead of suppressing Boston them. Boston
1: deserves misery. I don't care about the Red Sox. <laughs> they deserve to cry. They deserve everything, all the hell that comes on them. Oh, man. I don't, I don't care about the Red Sox. I feel the same way about Philadelphia. <laughs> Good. I'm glad. I'm glad that you feel something. So, so much hatred. So, oh, so you, you feel this about just Philadelphia, the baseball team, or Philadelphia the City?
0: Personally, I actually like Philadelphia a lot. I feel like it's it's a New York that you have a the ability to actually take it all in. <laughs> mm. It's a it's a big city, but it's not too big. Uh, it's got a good yeah. population, but people are still very New York ish. So I, I, like whole, yeah,
1: I like the city a whole
0: yeah. I like this city a whole lot. But the sports teams just grew up being rivalry. One of the things is just yelling back and forth at Philly fans as a kid was hilarious. Huh. The Philadelphia Eagles, we had these. Ter- I'm a Giants fan. They have these terrible matches where yeah. somehow Philadelphia always wind up getting these ridiculous, improbable wins against the Giants. It happened over and over again. So,
1: oh, yeah. The miracle at
0: the Meadowlands, of course. Yeah, right? exactly. Know. One and two. That was the worst.
1: That was the worst. That
0: the, the worst. second one hurt me a lot more where Deshaun yeah, Jackson course. returned that punt. Like, oh, my God. How did
1: that happen?
0: Oh, wow. it was so ridiculous. Yeah.
1: I think I feel – even though, like, I'm not, like, a true Yankees fan, I just hate Boston anything boston whether it's the bruins the celtics the uh the red sox i just i don't i don't like anything yeah. from yeah i'm
0: with you at that at this point but the first one i was happy for them and part of that was just because the yankees were so good i was looking forward to them being dethroned
1: that's fair that's fair i just i just never cared about the red sox <laughs> <laughs> to be honest like seeing the cubs win that, that was good seeing the kansas city world's win that was awesome of course, like seeing the Giants win when I was living in San Francisco, that was amazing. Just them reeling off wins because they, I mean, they never really won anything with Barry Bonds until yeah. like after the fact, which is awesome. So, see, true teams, teams that were put together that were like good players but not so great players win championships. Is like, so that's why I guess I don't, they didn't really like the Red Sox because they had like what David Ortiz, Manny Ramirez at that point. Gosh, oh man. man. So it's just like, Whatever, Who cares? I love Manny.
0: <laughs> Manny was yeah. one of my favorites. So that's one of the reasons I liked him so much. And he had Pedro Martinez, the best yeah. pitcher of our generation. I think he's better uh, than Greg Maddox, but that's a whole nother thing. <laughs> yeah. In, in
1: general, right? I would rather see teams like that win. Uh, if there's any other city I don't like right now, I'm not happy with Oklahoma City because I, I was a big CL Supersonics fan, so uh, I'm upset about that. So, like, F you, Oklahoma City. <laughs> Only two cities that I really don't like. Maybe <laughs> Miami. Like, I never like Miami Heat, obviously, because, like, you know, New York Knicks thing, right? Uh, never like Miami. Oh, man, uh, those,
0: those guys are so good. And the, yeah, the Pacers and so Miami and the Knicks. Oh, that's another there. team. That's
1: another <laughs> city. I'll never root
0: for anyone from Indiana. When I see photos of Reggie Miller, I still have this. Yeah, hatred of him. I'm like, oh, yeah. but I love him too, cause he was such an idiot—not not an idiot, such an asshole. He gloated, He's he did it. He was such a jerk, and it's like—I mean—in retrospect, exactly. I love, in that, exactly. Yeah, I love was it. Awesome. Yeah. At the time, I could not stand him more. So, here I'm, he was such—he was a, one of the best shit talkers of all time, and it's like, oh. Yeah.
1: I mean, I'm sure people felt that way about like John Starks, right? Cause I think we're both like semi Knicks fans struggling. <laughs> Knicks fans going through adversity, right? I feel people felt that about, like, John Starks, Charles Oakley, and Anthony Mason, because they were just grimy, like, really get down to the dirt players in general, right? They I think a lot like
0: of people just, hated Charles Oakley, because he was yeah, he was basically a goon at that point. He was pretty close to
1: it. I mean, I love that. I love goons, dude, especially if they're, they're on my favorite team.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, I love goons. <laughs> <laughs> He's supposed to have one of the highest basketball IQs, like, ever, but... He was not nearly as physically talented as some other people. So he was extra physical. Uh, And you need that. You need that, especially in
1: basketball. So I really don't like how it's gotten less physical, but I mean, that's another story. So yeah,
0: (laughs) they were not that good, but that was the whole point. They're all just like that window where Jordan was not in the league was my favorite memories of basketball.
1: Yeah, I think it's because any team could have won at that point. Exactly. What the Rockets won twice when Jordan was out of the league. I mean, when he came back, Jordan was still adjusting, right? And I think the Orlando Magic made it into the finals and mm-hmm. they got schooled by a uh, Hakeem Olajuwon. Uh, and that that was like Jordan's first year back. So I, I forgive him for that. But the year before, the that was the only time the Knicks could have won and they, they messed up in that game.
0: Yeah, I still have flashbacks of Patrick Ewing trying to do that finger roll and just not going in. I'm like, no! It's like, that was the only way...
1: They could have won the championship. It's it's upsetting.
0: Oh, it's so so disappointing. But they're good memories.
1: Yeah, they're good memories, but it's just very
0: very upsetting, that whole whole part. All right, have a good day, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you have anything you'd like us to talk or any good feedback, feel free to hit us up.